0: Welcome back to another Cardinals Off Day podcast. I am Ben Godar, here with me as always. Whether we like it or not sometimes is my good friend Ben Humphrey. Ben, uh, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing well because uh, I had to work this afternoon and I didn't even put the game on the radio. So I did not even uh, experience in real time The Cardinals choking and losing today, and that feels like a refreshing change of pace for the 2023 season uh, with the way the Cardinals have performed.
0: Yeah, I I do feel like we should probably disclose to listeners that and, and I'm glad to hear you say that, Ben, because I feel like I should disclose to listeners the the number of hours of Cardinals baseball that I am watching in real time with my own eyes has has started to dwindle somewhat. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't feel like I need to witness every every moment of this as it happens. Um, so, <laughs> so 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 well, while you and I share our opinions here, I, I, I should disclose that uh, I have not seen all of this unfold with my with my own eyes, but uh, it's still pretty clear what what what's happening.
1: Yes. And it's, it's particularly frustrating with with the way the first inning has continued to be terrible. Like I, if I am held up at all, right. Putting, putting the kids to bed yeah. and I come down. And they're already behind one, two, three to nothing. And it's just like, Oh, another, another one of these nights. Well, And the the pitch,
0: the pitch clock exacerbates it too, because the same thing happens to me. Like even if I'm planning to sit down and watch the game and yeah, exactly. Like you get held up or like, Oh, it was like a 6:55 start or whatever or like you know what i mean like you just somehow you like miss you, you were a few minutes off with the start time or you didn't notice on your watch like oh i guess the game started yeah exactly you turned it on or you see the i like see the notification on my phone i'm like oh okay well they're already down three runs so <laughs> like yeah the number of times i've i've turned the game on and it's been zero zero is even uh, even fewer because you've got literally seconds for that to happen
1: <laughs> yes. There's there's very little time to enjoy a game uh, you know, kind of in the early stages where the it's kinda like, you know, the teams are feeling one another out. The other teams don't need to feel out the Cardinals, they just go for the throat. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: right. Yeah and jump out
1: to an early lead.
0: Yeah, no, no. They just immediately start spraying line drives all over the field. So well, we are, we are going to get to a, a number of your questions today that are going to kind of take us uh, over a number of, number of topics. But before we do that, Ben, uh, what have you learned? Uh, I have learned
1: that um, it is always important to keep in mind that uh, the people involved with the St. Louis Cardinals and all Major League Baseball teams are people and i think a lot of times it's easy to look at you know what is the likely uh path ahead you know so and so has been hitting the ball really well but their batting average is 190 and so they're going to regress regress and become good and i have been waiting for wilson contreras uh to turn things around um and, you know, he's just one who jumps to mind, but it's really a statement about the whole team where, you know, bad luck, which they had early in spades uh, has kind of ballooned. And I almost feel like has undermined the team mentally in a way where they're now just a bad team. Like yeah. there's nothing much about their performance of late that I can look at and find a silver lining or reason to believe things will turn around like they've they've blown i think i saw the stat after the game today they have blown 15 out of their 30 save opportunities right like (laughs) and and i was just like if you would have told anyone at the start of the year that saves would be a problem and helsley would you know be healthy for you know almost all of he is now on the injured list, but most of the season he the vast majority of the season he's been healthy and gallegos has as well and what's more overuse isn't even a problem right because right. they aren't ahead, and it almost feels like you know that that's something else that's that's not working and then you and know you, know what, and, you and, know what
0: ben it's almost like you should never trust relievers because uh, they're <laughs> like cattle and uh, they're completely a fungible commodity it's almost like that's that's true. And,
1: you know, the the starting pitching has improved, which it was bound to do. But then just as that is happening, you know, the offense kind of stops hitting. And so it's, um, it's, it's been tough to watch. And you just kind of feel like the team doesn't have the mental toughness or state of mind, whatever you want to call it right now, uh, to turn things around. And it's, it's very frustrating to watch as a fan. And there were quite a few people who showed the video of them after they won a game like last week. Uh, and I... Sent out the picture from the Royal Tannenbaums of of Richie with one sock off, sitting on the lawn at Wimbledon, and because yeah. that was like the vibe. Or even Bill uh, Bill Murray from Royal Tannenbaums. Well, I want to die, but they just won a game, you know. Yes. Like yes, it 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 was. It's just this total like um just there's there's no life to them. There's no spirit, and it's very frustrating to watch and i just kind of feel like they've been telling themselves that they're good and it's going to turn around and it just hasn't and and it just hasn't happened and now i think they're just going through the motions with that and no one knows what to do and certainly molly ollie marmal does not and so it's 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 all been very frustrating uh but i kind of came to that realization uh listening to wilson or uh listening to Marmol talk about Wilson Contreras and then reading and seeing some of the pictures of Wilson Contreras, I, I feel like what was bad luck has now metastasized into something much more uh, difficult to turn around. And that yeah. concerns me.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, in terms of what I've learned, and, and I don't know that I've learned this so much from, Anything that we're seeing on the field this season, I feel like I'm almost casting my mind back to uh, the 90s, which we lived through, which was really the one time in our lifespans when, you know, the the Cardinals were bad. And and, uh, the thing that I'm just kind of remembering learning was, you know, when you've got a bad team, there are still individual stories happening in the midst of the team is bad and this is a bad year. Um, You know, there's kind of all these individual arcs and stories going on as well that you can kind of, um, you know, threads that you can, you can separate out. Um, And that can be interesting, you know, so it's, it's becoming pretty evident that this is going to be a bad year. I mean, it's the, we're getting into pretty small uh, you know, likelihood that there's any possible way that they could turn this around at this point, you know, but there's a lot going on. I mean, this is Jordan Walker's rookie season, right? So this will always be Jordan Walker's rookie season. If Jordan <laughs> Walker, right, is going to turn into some kind of a, you know, I- you know, I- interesting uh, or, you know, special player, this will always be what Jordan Walker's rookie season was. And that will be something you know interesting to remember and watch this is always going to be adam wainwright's final season right so how that plays out is kind of always going to be its own thread you know and, and, and every other kind of player that's out there you know nolan gorman of course has had um you know although he's you know he's cooled a bit of late but you know really having kind of a special season so you can kind of separate out some threads there you know um you, you can find a really good Brian Jordan season in the midst of a, you know, just kind of garbage season overall is what I'm, what I'm telling everybody (laughs) because sometimes that's what you have to do. So, uh, I'm sorry, Ben, do you have something to add there? Oh no,
1: I, I was just thinking, uh, You know, the the difference for me is I don't have a Sega Genesis where I can just go be the Cardinals and win 162 games or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, it's uh, that for me, that's the sad reality is I have now matured to the point where I
0: don't have hours to live in a fantasy world where the Cardinals are good. Um, (laughs) Well, but that's that's about your life choices, Ben. I mean, they do still make video game consoles. So, you know, you could you could make that happen. I don't yeah, know. And, either, and, but, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and 19 months old 19 month olds, I'm sure, are fine just you know
0: fending for themselves around the house. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man. Well, uh all right. Well, with that, let's uh let's dive in. We've got uh a number of questions we want to um go through today. And and Ben, the, the first question, and this one's directed at you, this one comes from uh, uh Ben Godar. That's at Ben Godar on Twitter. <laughs> And uh, Ben Godar asks, if uh, a a group of the Cardinals players got together and uh, plotted to intentionally tank the team in order to get Ali Marmol fired, would that be noticeably different from what we are seeing on the field now? Um.
1: it sure doesn't feel like it would be a heck of a lot different um i i think it would because there would be more uh there would be more like i'm looking at this through the prism of like television and movies right like there would be more like comical things that go wrong um, and it would be less sad (laughs) sure You, you, (laughs) you
0: you think it would be treated to some shenanigans and hijinks
1: yes there would be there would be more humor involved like and and they might be enjoying it more right? right like even though they were losing you know they could they could be a little more jovial about it because you know they are conspiring against a man who is in over his head and they hate because he uh, shouldn't have the job that he has right. so they're enjoying tanking the season to get him fired And Mm -hmm. there's nothing anyone can do about it because they have like no trade clauses and guaranteed contracts, some of them. So, um, uh, it, it, I, it probably would not be much different, but I think they would probably just be a little bit happier about, uh, playing baseball every day. They just seem so, you know, they, they have real strong Alan Craig 2014 energy right now. And that's really concerning.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good comparison and and by the way i wasn't suggesting that that's happening um but yeah that's the thing is that's odd is that like there's there's not really like a a villain there and i I think it was uh arenado even maybe it was today after the game today as we record this you know kind of made some statements basically defending the coaching staff and it's you know sounded like they were you know genuine didn't sound like just the you know kind of Uh, I mean, it just sounded like they were genuine. And and so, you know, it doesn't seem like I I, I mean, at the end of, you know, Matheny's tenure, for example, it was clearly pretty toxic, I think, um, you know, with the players. And it doesn't, I mean, aside from obviously, you know, like Tyler O'Neill, um, it doesn't, you don't get the sense that it's like universally that toxic. Um, I mean, maybe in places, I mean, I don't know, Wilson Contreras may not be sending a Christmas card to the Marmol household this year, I don't know, or the <laughs> or the Mozilla household. But see, again, I don't know, that was more of an organizational thing, potentially, even than a Marmol thing, you don't know. So, th- and that's, I guess that's it, is like, it's not like, you can't point a finger and say like, well, this is this is the problem or this is the thing it's, it is just, it's, it's universal. So, but I guess I was just more getting at the idea that like, gosh, this is literally what we're seeing is so bad that like, if they were losing on purpose, I don't think it would, it would look, (laughs) it would look worse than this. No, they, they would just
1: be happier. That's, (laughs) that's, that's my takeaway is they, their plan would be working and there would be a little bit of twinkle in, in the culprit's eyes, I think right sure yeah yeah well i guess we'll i'll see all right our uh we we have received some rebuilding questions which is a topic we broached last week um and greg maturin asks am i a bad fan because I actively hope this season does not get better. If they get into the hunt for the second wild card, it will just reinforce Bill DeWitt and the front office's poor decisions. I hope they one, sell to improve for next year, two, reevaluate development, three, reevaluate pitching strategy, and four, spend money on a proven frontline starter this winter. Things need to get bad in order to get good again. Oh, and five, get a low draft pick. How much fun would it be to get excited about the draft for the first time in forever?
0: Uh, I understand where Greg is, is coming from here. I mean, you know, when you're bad, um, you know, this kind of is what you can get excited about, frankly. And, you know, Ben, I think there are some organizational problems in this organization that you and I have talked about for for some time, and and I think he does a good job of of listing those here. And I certainly agree if this were enough to lead to some more holistic changes in those things, I think that could be a very, very good thing. I think it's maybe uh, hoping for a little too much for it, you know, to get to that, because this would be a massive overhaul. Um, you know, this would be basically wholesale changes at the top of the front office. Um, frankly, to get to this, I think what you're talking about here about, uh, it's not just a matter of, you know, Mo steps down and, um, you know randy flores or whoever the hand or, or gersh or whoever they decide the hand-picked kind of next in line is moves in you know this is uh you know they bring in a complete outsider a complete new you know kind of front office structure and really um you know bring in some fresh blood um and i don't know we haven't seen you know dewitt is so comfortable with with you know, kind of Mo and just the culture of the way the Cardinals have done business, that would be a really massive change. You know, if you think about what he did when he brought Luna in, which was really the biggest shakeup that he's ever done, Luna was brought in at a pretty low level and was very, very slowly moved up the ranks. And, And even at his kind of highest point that he ever reached in the Cardinals organization, Remember it was Mozeliac who was elevated to GM and not Lunau. he was always kind of kept in check. Uh, um, So I I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful as well, but um, I, I think I would be surprised to see it go maybe quite as far as, as, uh, as Greg's greatest hopes here. What what do you think, Ben? Uh,
1: That would surprise me as well. Um, However, uh getting excited about next year's draft because of a high draft pick. I mean that seems like a very realistic possibility. And depending on how they approach the trade deadline and the off season, I mean you re- you realistically could have the team competing for the post season next year and uh also getting, you know, like a top 10 pick. You know, that seems very possible. Yeah. And you know you you hope that they they don't use that pick ben on a high floor college pitcher <laughs> um it would be it would be like the highest floor college pitcher and uh they would all give each other a high fives um <laughs> but uh you know that 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 is that seems like a very realistic thing uh to kind of hope for i think that they're currently uh you know, on the, on the development front. I think they are uh, reworking. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Ben. I just want to
0: interrupt because I saw on like Instagram or something the other day, there was like a MLB account had like a throwback to uh, Aaron judges draft day. And he was there like in the draft room standing next to the draft board with his name being put up there. And you could see on the draft board that the Cardinals had uh, already drafted Marco Gonzalez and Rob Kaminsky. (laughs) 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 Yes. See, like that's uh, that's what you worry about is, uh,
1: you know, they get a top 10 pick and they do what they uh, are most comfortable doing uh, when they're faced with that kind of high, uh, high potential pick. Um, But in terms of, of revamping development, I think they are doing that. I just don't think that they are as aggressive or wholesale about it as other organizations. Yeah have already been and frankly are already reaping the benefit of having uh done such a dramatic revamp and so you know I I think I honestly believe I think Moselock I think his contract is probably reflective of of where he wants to be at and I think he wants to be done with that process and move yeah. on to another role within the organization or maybe with another organization I don't know and so I think they are already doing that. And, you know, let's really be clear here. I, I don't know that you can, at least from a position player perspective, it, I don't think you can do much to fault uh, the Cardinals yeah. with respect to the way this season has gone. Yeah. The, the 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 biggest disappointments are the two of the safest bets entering this year with the yeah. bat and that's in the glove and that's Arenado, And then with the bat and that's Contreras, well, that's not development. And then if, but if you do want to look at development, um, you know, Gorman is having a very good year, you know, Walker made the team, they sent him back down um, and now he's come back and he's, he's making better contact and playing better. This'll be his rookie year. He's probably not going to be the rookie of the year, but you know, uh, Donovan's having a pretty good year. Lars Newtbar is having a good year, and so you know, you you look at that position player front, and you know, the development's not. Uh, there's not a lot there to serve in an indictment. Uh, of not not, player not on the
0: not on the offensive side, but on the on the pitching side, I think that's where. You know it's it's the player development on the pitching side that is still i think a problem yep and and then the the other thing you know the philosophical thing on the pitching side the pitch to contact thing that gets into a really complicated area because i think it's hard for us to know what of that is ownership and what of that is front office because a lot of that is clearly based on Um, ownership's unwillingness to spend on pitching in a certain way. So, you know, at what point is ownership saying... We don't want to spend on these type of pitchers, or at what point is it just that the budget that they're willing to spend is so low that then the front office has kind of said well given that budget this is how we feel maybe we can you know best deploy that it's it's pretty complicated but whoever's fault it is it's it's just clearly not working and it needs to be you know that whole system needs to be shaken up yeah, and it's
1: it's also a situation where, you know, the the pitching front in particular, the the whole point of like the wallet ball is you have good cost control players that allow you to go out and get elite players from outside the organization and pay them, right? And so the the problem that they have on the pitching front in particular is they they just haven't had you know, in the last few years, that type, you know, Dakota Hudson is probably, and and Flaherty, but he's been injured, right? And it's not as good anymore. And so both of those players, they're getting more expensive and they've almost kind of trapped themselves where they don't have any of those types of pitchers ready to join the rotation. And so they're they're paying a premium for sort of the mid-level type starters. And then they also have the legacy players like Wainwright. And so they're kind of hamstringing themselves uh, with the ability to go out and get an elite starting pitcher. And so, you know, that's a that's a kind of a sticky situation. And really resetting the rotation next season uh, – may not be the worst thing in the world over the next you know like three years let's say
0: yeah yeah um well and along those lines uh, stl batters box asks would it be a crazy idea to trade goldie to a team that could offer some fireball prospects selling high off an mvp and he's not the motivational player we need right now also we have a million position players Well, we talked a little bit about this uh, last episode.
1: It, you know, it frees up first base for a bat like Jordan Walker, who just is not good in the outfield. And I thought with his, you know, his sprint speed and his arm speed, he would get there, but it's not terribly promising right now. Or Nolan Gorman or uh, Luke and Baker, even, uh, who we forgot to mention last episode. And so you do free up some DH plate appearances and you would free up, some first base plate appearances and Paul Goldschmidt is a very good player. He's a difference maker, um, for a team. You know, if you're on the precipice of getting a first round bye in the playoffs and then competing in the playoffs, you know, he's, he's going to be a difference maker this year and next year. So if you're, you know, if you're in that position, you know, he probably has some appeal
0: yeah you know the one thing we didn't talk about last week that i think we should mention is that paul goldschmidt has a full no trade clause so they're going to be extremely limited on where if at all they can trade paul goldschmidt because he's going to have to agree to be traded so first off if he's happy in st louis and he wants to stay in st louis they can't trade him at all i think you know in terms of would he want to go anywhere i think the only place you can hypothesize that he might want to go is you know he's obviously near the end of his career he hasn't won a championship anywhere you know maybe you can sell him on the idea of going somewhere to win a championship but you know when you think about that that's going to be a really really small number of potential teams you know you're a, a player like paul goldschmidt is probably only going to accept an argument like that you know if you're talking like you know, Dodgers, Braves, Astros. I don't know. You know what I mean? You got to be talking like a real, like not not just a team that's like on a good run this year, but a team that's like, okay, for the, you know, these two years of my contract. And maybe if I'm going to get an extension, like this is a club that I know is going to be elite throughout. The challenge there is like, you just have so few opportunities for like a match um, to, you know, to really get a trade done. So um, I mean, I think they absolutely should be open to trading him because they certainly could get a great return. But I think it will be very, very hard to, uh, if if not impossible to to make it happen.
1: I I think you're probably right, and but if it were to happen, they I think they 100% would target, uh, you know, swing and miss stuff pitching, uh, yes. in in line with uh what STL batter's box has proposed Um, moving along uh, we have some questions about underperforming cardinals uh, and Ben Wheeler asks thoughts on Wilson Contreras's offensive production and or potential positive regression his peripherals and expected stats are good and in line with career numbers seems to go the other way a lot does this mean things should eventually fall or is the opposite field approach destined to be unlucky
0: well and actually i'm glad he brought up his uh, peripherals because i hadn't actually opened his baseball savant page here recently ben and i just did and it's it's actually quite a bit better than i expected it (laughs) to be um, uh, the peripherals do look pretty good um so that is encouraging but you know even had i not looked at this i would say you know he's he's a good enough player with enough of a track record he's a young enough player that i really don't have like long term concerns about him i'm not concerned that like he's just you know suddenly turned into garbage i have pretty low level concerns about that um so i just think it's kind of an oddity thing Um, I mean, they put him in a really weird situation. Um, I think they put him in a very stressful situation. Um, So I think that probably, you know, exacerbated what is likely just kind of a a random blip that would have happened anyway. Um, But given the peripherals and just given that he's a good player overall, I would strongly suspect that he'll turn this around largely. And by the end of the season, you know, it may still be a, a, a down year for him, but I don't think it's going to be like the kind of catastrophe looking uh, uh, production numbers that we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah, I've, overall, i overall, I tend to agree. I think the bad luck has turned into something worse of late. Um, but the the vast majority of this season, he's been taking good plate appearances and, and making the, good contact and the, so
0: i i think he should bounce back the, the I, he does bring up the opposite field thing and that is a little unusual and and you know they've noted that on the broadcast and you definitely see it and it does look it, it looks like he is kind of doing something a little different from an approach standpoint that's one of those things that becomes a little hard to like maybe put your fingers on on in the numbers sometimes you know early on Um, I think we saw that with Arenado early in the season, it definitely looked like he was kind of trying a little bit of a, you know, kind of swing change that just didn't really work for him. Um, So I don't know if there's a little something like that with Contreras that, you know, he, there, there was a, uh, you know, an approach change that he attempted or is attempting, that's maybe not getting the job done. You know, if that's the case, um, hopefully he, he dumps that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I'm the Cardinals
1: coaching staff, I'm sure has everyone's uh, full confidence uh, to help him turn it around uh, with the way this season has gone so far. (laughs) So, you know, that's a little bit concerning, but that, you know, that's what you do worry about is maybe they start tinkering with things or changing approach in ways that they don't really need to do because they, you know, they're, they're taking good plate appearances, they're making good contact. And then suddenly that becomes something that's harder to turn around uh, because they're maybe doing a little bit too much tinkering. And it's, it's tough to know, you know, without being in the clubhouse, without being around the coaches, uh, how that will play out moving forward. So it's something that I think bears watching. But yeah, for, for most of this season, I've not been worried about him at all. Um, and now I'm kind of beginning to wonder, you know, what does this look like at the end of the year? So yeah. uh that's definitely worth
0: watching. Yeah. Um you know, as as the season moves forward. Yeah. Uh Day Comeback uh asks, with Edmund in his annual midseason slump and playing center field every day, requiring DeYoung to also play every day. Can this team score enough runs to turn this season around? I appreciate them leaning into D because the starters can't get K's, but this offense looks very weak right now. Um, ben, we have a, a questioner asking you to comment on uh, Tommy Edmond uh, and his offensive <laughs> prowess here. Um, I've, I've set the ball on the tee. Would you like to take a swing? <laughs> uh, I, I suppose so. Um
1: this this is something where longtime listeners know like i don't think tommy edmond is an everyday player uh i think he's a utility player i don't think there's any reason to get him more than like 400 plate appearances but you know the the thing is when you have injuries utility players play you know because they have to they have to fill in for the injured player and that's what Edmund is doing now for Newt Bar, who's a far superior player overall, and you would want in the outfield uh, most days. But what's nice, uh, you know, over certainly over Edmund, uh, what's nice is Edmund is a bit of a compliment to Newt Bar. Uh, you know, Newt Bar bats lefty. He does pretty well against lefties. But if you're going to give uh, Lars Newt Bar a day off, doing it against a lefty which Edmonds hits pretty well against for his career is is the time to do it um in terms of uh the performance this year Edmund hit the grand slam and the season or the series ending loss uh to the Giants so he did have a little explosion in power but you know for this year Edmund is basically hitting like you would expect Edmund to hit Like, it's below average. Uh, He's had a little more power than you would expect. Doesn't walk enough. You know, he is who he is. And if the Cardinals have everyone healthy, he doesn't have to be anything. He can just give guys breaks around the field. And there's no real reason to, get Edmund, to try to get Edmund playing time. And that's what's been so crazy about the way the Cardinals have assessed him throughout his career. They assessed him as better than Randy Arosa Reina. They then made him a leadoff hitter and gave him more plate appearances than anyone on the team. So that, did he lead the league in outs that year? Or was it just, I can't remember if it was top three. You know, I. it's, it's just this amazing usage of him that just defies any sort of logic and so that's unfortunate and and then of course there's paul de young who seems to be slipping into you know what paul de young has been doing for the last few years and and that's difficult to watch as well and all of this ben including the team losing you know it might open the door to mason win uh, yeah. coming up and getting to play every day in August and September. And that would be pretty fun to watch as well.
0: Well, and you know, there was a comment, um, I believe it was uh Ollie made a week or so ago that several people kind of, um, you know, uh, mentioned, uh, or, or you heard repeated around saying like, we have to be perfect. Right. Or like, you know, um, basically, you know, that, you know, in, any game where they're not perfect, or if they make one mistake, know they uh you know they lose i don't remember exactly his phrasing but that was the, the the idea and i just thought that encapsulated exactly what you and i have been saying kind of all season is that you know they've had this this kind of style that they've been built around for the last several years with these mediocre pitchers but strong defense and just taking all these other edges good base running Um, You know, uh, really a a lot of value coming out of Yachty from the catcher position. They got all of these little edges and all of these other areas and all of their little edges are gone this year. So they have good offense, although that, of course, has kind of, I think, gone away in these last few weeks as everybody just looks depressed. But all of their little edges are gone and that's where I think that having to be perfect thing comes from, because they don't have the little edges to take advantage of. And that's where I think they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. And I think the the questioner is exactly right here. You know, they keep going back and forth on the you know, are we going to put the like, you know, Thunder lineup out there with, you know, Jordan Walker and Gorman at second. And you know, like just that, you know, is that going to be the lineup? Or are we going to put the, you know, the defensive lineup out there with, uh, you know, DeYoung at shore and, you know, Edmond in, you know, at at the moment now with injuries in center, you know, kind of go for the more defensive lineup they really like neither one works this season basically (laughs) is the, is the problem. Um, they, they kind of tried it both ways, but they just don't have the the personnel to, to kind of get the edges to, you know, to make it work, uh, either way, frankly. So I don't really think it matters which way they do it because it's, they've tried it both ways and it doesn't, it doesn't work either way. All right. Uh, sensory blitzkrieg, uh, asks uh truly not trying to be snarky but would any other team serious about making the playoffs have paul de young starting every day and have adam Wain- wainwright toe the rubber every fifth start Ben, what do you what do you think um you know paul de young is a good
1: defensive shortstop and there are a whole bunch of Teams who have made the postseason over the years, and there will be a lot more with the expanded postseason that have above-average defensive shortstops who hit like 10% below league average, or even 15% yeah. below league average. And Paul DeYoung's about league average-ish. I haven't seen the updated uh, stats uh, after the last Giants game, but he's been, you know, right around there for the season. Um, he certainly has not been that good in recent weeks, but you know DeYoung has always had peaks and valleys. So, I mean, at at this point in time, you know, Paul DeYoung is not the biggest problem on this team. In fact, he's he's performed better than. I expected, I, I don't want to speak for you, Ben, but yeah. I think better than you expected. And I think most of the folks listening at home expected.
0: So Yeah, I mean, I just, it, I just looked it up, Ben. Paul DeYoung has a 105 weighted runs created plus right now. So he's 5% above league average at the shortstop position. Good. It's yeah. very good for a shortstop. And I know people, yeah. I know he's so streaky, and when he's bad streaky, it looks unplayable. But I just, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Fans just are... Fans are so ready to hate Paul DeYoung, and and I believe me, I understand he could be on this kind of streak that is not going to unstreak. <laughs> so I get it, but I also think like you you got to cut this guy a break. Yeah, um,
1: and Wainwright, Wainwright just looks bad. He, he's uh, he just he does not look like a major league caliber pitcher. I mean, it's all guts and guile. At this point and it's pretty tough to watch and i i hope he turns it around and like finds a groove where you know we get a few vintage performances here in the summer but my my hopes are not very high for that
0: yeah i mean we you know before the season we talked about um you know he needed what at the beginning of the season was it five wins to get to 200 i think is where it was before the season started and I mean, we thought it was a pretty foregone conclusion that he was going to get those five wins. No, 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 no. it's not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not uh, uh, T- turns
1: my- out the Pirates and Reds don't suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it was like, hey, if he if he gets ten starts against like the Pirates, Reds, and uh, Cubs,
0: he he should be able to get there.
1: But it's it's not looking great.
0: Yeah. And no, I will say one thing I will say to this, though, is I do think that they the way that the Cardinals, you know, value their history is uh, is a great thing about this organization that I really do appreciate. So the fact that, you know, they do keep an Adam Wainwright around, the fact that they do give him um, an opportunity like this, like I don't want to you know, I, I I never want to slip into the just like, it's all about winning. Like this guy can't cut it. He's got to go like mentality because I don't think that's the, I, you know, I don't want to watch the a team that operates like that either. I don't think that's the most enjoyable way to operate. And there are things about the way this club operates, like, you know, saying like, hey, we always want to have a, you know, Hall of Fame player on this team out there for our fans to watch. You know, I think that actually is, is, you know, meaningful. I think that makes for kind of, a, you know, enjoyable kind of narrative to the team that you're watching and kind of carries on these legacies and things like that. So, i do think there's value to the fact that wainwright has been on this team that said what you what you said ben and i certainly understand what the question is getting at here i mean there's there is also a point where it's like you know like it's just it's it's past where it needs to go but we've talked about this with wainwright for years i mean wainwright was it was always he it was always clear he was going to have to be carried away kicking and screaming off the mound right um he, and 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 you know we we may be at that point
1: and even from start to start right like yeah. and and Mathini and Schilt were not going to remove him from the mound mm-hmm. and so the same is true as you just said in this larger context of when is he done and I uh you know I I think it's unfortunate and there were you know, there, there were great moments that you wanted to have happen. Like, you know, when he came back and he started against the tigers and the club was on the losing streak and he just like, he did not pitch poorly, but it also wasn't the, you know, like shut down, start, like I am the stopper. I am back, you know, I'm on my farewell tour we're turning this around, you know, because he just does not have he just doesn't have that level of pitching ability anymore. And, you know, like you wanted that to be the the moment where it's you know, you have that magic rekindled and yeah. it's just time and again it hasn't come through. Yeah. And it's just it's it's a real bummer. But, you know, I think he's gonna maybe do more of a limp to 200 than a sprint.
0: Yeah. hundred um, percent.
1: Looking back at uh, the questions, uh, uh, go God's gift, excuse me uh, asks, what will it take for Mason win to get called up? What do you think, Ben?
0: Well, what I think it's going to take is for the team to decide that they're sellers to clear out whoever they decide to clear out, and just kind of restructure the major league team. I mean, why why bring Mason Win up at this point? You know, like why why introduce him into this <laughs> dynamic right here? Right? I mean, like uh, if if you if this was your family, right? Would you <laughs> and, and and Mason Wynn was your 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 new girlfriend? would you would you or or boyfriend in this case why why did why did I change his gender right there ben that was a weird choice i made yes why why would you invite them over to dinner at this point yeah there's <laughs> i mean except he's uh, you know by almost all accounts
1: and you know just based on our uh limited exposure to his personality. He seems to be a very like charismatic, engaging guy and maybe even the type of guy who would help in the clubhouse where it's I, just like, you know, like I he's cocky, he's good and he's just kind of fun. Well, and, I feel like
0: I feel like that's asking a lot. Like like, well, it's not hey, fair to him, but like, Hey, it, Hey rookie, cheer up these uh, sad Hall man. of Famers. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously, though, I, I honestly, I, I expect if they are sellers, um, they're, you know, some of these people are going to go away. And then what you'll see going forward is the, we're now prioritizing our future lineup. So, you know, if, for example, uh, Paul DeYoung is traded away, that's when you'll see, uh, you know, Mason Wynn come in and be an everyday shortstop from that moment on. And you'll see Tommy Edmund move into whatever they see Tommy Edmonds' future role being at that point and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they just, they need to get to the point where they fully embrace this season is done. Like we are not winning this season and so now we're going to play the guys who are our you know our future going forward in the roles that we want them. and that's what i think
1: now i i think you hit the nail on the head it's uh it's going to be august if at all he might be a september call up i guess uh, all things considered but i i i think it's like a post trade deadline thing where the front office just comes in and says, Ollie, this is the lineup. Right. This is who you're playing. You're not, you know, we've traded these guys away and Mason wins going to play. Uh, cause he's the future. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think you're 100% correct.
0: <sighs> yeah. Um, uncle Frank asks, which Cardinals are all star worthy this year?
1: Uh, I think Nolan Gorman is, even with his recent swoon. Uh, And I think Paul Goldschmidt is. Um, And that's probably about it. End of list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Um,
1: Ben Wheeler pops back up a second time. uh, And he asks, since there are just a few questions here, if I may ask a follow up, you may, Ben. Although this may uh, the, have, this
0: must have come earlier on because we have a pretty good number of questions. Here, it, so.
1: Yeah, I I think he yeah I think he circled back around before we got uh, a lot of these questions. Uh, do you regret doing a Cardinals themed podcast at this particular point
0: in space and time? Boy, do I ever. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you know, it's uh, you know, Ben. It's uh, it's not as much fun, I would say, right now as it has been during the rest of the time that we've been doing this, and 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 uh, even before the podcast. Of course, you and I wrote at Viva Albertos for for several years. Um, all of that time you know, for the most part through, well, certainly through better years than this, even, even though there were, you know, a couple years here and there where the the Cardinals may not have made the playoffs, you know, never years that were this bad. Um, I know that you and I lived through some years, as I mentioned before, in the nineties where the team was this bad. So I, we've, we've experienced it at least as fans. Um, So that does make it challenging. Um, uh, I, I tell you who I really feel bad for are the uh, there's crying and uh, baseball hosts who just launched their podcast, which is really great. I hope People (laughs) check out, but man, they just, but on the plus side, you know, they do focus on the idea that you should, you should feel comfortable crying about baseball. So in a way they launched at exactly the perfect time.
1: It's, it's very on brand Uh, uh, at least in terms of title for sure. Um, No, I, I think it's good to vent a little bit. I, you know, like, I I think our wives are probably sick about hearing the Cardinals lose and like you know feigning that they are bummed out about it um and so uh it's nice to get together every once in a while uh and kind of commiserate about how things are going and also I think our uh our gimmick so to speak Cardinals off day only occurring on off days you know, like we don't have to do it like every week, Um, you know, so we we don't have to break it down. Like it's tackle football, right. Where it's like, Oh, there, you know, and so we can just kind of take it in and and come back around and, you know, we get a little bit more uh, time off in between talking about the team. So it feels to me at least a little less rote and a little less like, you know, just going through the motions and routine of, well, I guess we got to talk about these jerks again. They're a bunch of jerks, you know, like, and, and so um, it's, and I don't mean that as any sort of commentary on other podcasts. So please don't think I'm throwing shade. I'm just saying when you just kind of have that regularly scheduled, you know, weekly check-in it, it, and I, I mean it more in the context of, you know, some of the more frustrating teams to write about at Viva Alberto's back when I was writing weekly, where it was just kind of like, oh man, I got to write about these guys again. I just wrote about them last week. And so uh, the, the, the timing at this point in time uh, has been uh, a little bit disappointing. Um, But also the impetus for this really was COVID where it was like, you can't really get together with people and watch a game. So we'll do a podcast and talk about about it every once in a while and so you know now we don't really need the podcast to get together and talk about baseball but it's it's still nice to do and i still enjoy it and i certainly enjoy the the listener questions and interactions and and uh and so even though this season's not going as we had hoped uh i think it's still pretty fun to do the podcast what do you think ben
0: I do, and, and something that we have often talked about too, and I think the reason that you and I, you know, love baseball, or one of the big reasons, you know, it's it's about the the daily ritual about of it. Um, you know, it's that whole idea that baseball's, you know, closer to a religion than any other sport, right? And so As such, there's just so much to enjoy about baseball beyond just the winning and losing, at least I think if you're in my opinion, if you're doing it the right way as a fan. So um, there's always things to talk about, um, you know, even if your team is not, uh, you know, really, really in the mix, and at, at the point where talking about the little nuances of the winning and losing is so exciting. And as Cardinals fans, we've had such a long run of of being in the mix that we've really uh, often the winning and the losing has been the thing that's been at the forefront, you know. But like I've always admired, you know, friends of mine that are like legitimate diehard like Pirates fans or Tigers fans or, you know, just some of these just dog shit teams, you know, but because (laughs) they do have to you know they have to really enjoy those other aspects of the game right and they just they have to kind of come back to it and and you know find you know joy in things outside of just the the winning and the losing of it so I think that's good I tell you what Ben we also we just we need to cull the herd a little bit of Cardinals fandom I think we may have too many kind of fair weather fans here you know it's been you know, a good twenty-five plus years here. So, you know, if we're really bad this year, we may thin it out a little bit, and that's not the worst thing in the world either. So, uh, hopefully, you and I will stick around. Hopefully, you and I won't bail. Um, but uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? If you see uh, see one of us in a uh, you know an Astros jersey, you'll know that we've finally had enough. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, thank you everybody for all of the questions. Ben, uh, as we head, uh, as the Cardinals head out on a road trip that will ultimately lead them to London, of all places, uh, what are you going to be looking for? Uh, I'm
1: going to be looking for uh, Jordan Walker's batted ball data. Um, Since he's come up, he did a, a he's had much better plate appearances, and uh, he's worked the count more to pitches he can drive. Um, and he was doing a better job of lifting the ball in the air. Um, however, that's that's kind of dipped recently. And so I'm interested to see whether he just goes back down the ground ball path uh, or and swing more liberally. Uh, or if he's going to be able to adjust and self-correct uh, and continue on the the positive uh, route he was on kind of before things started to take a little bit of a turn.
0: All right, Ben, I'm going to be honest. I'm on i I'm on manager firing watch at this point. Um, I know that Ken Rosenthal and all of the local beat reporters reported that that, uh, Marmol is very, very safe. And this is not a thing that's going to happen. But man, this team is losing a lot. They are losing a lot. And it just feels like that's kind of the thing that happens when a team is losing this much. I don't think he's necessarily like lost the clubhouse or from what we see anyway, you don't see that kind of conflict. But man, it just you kind of the vibes are just there that like you might see something happen. So um, I just... Uh, you know I'm just gonna be checking in on Twitter you know every now and then, you know to see uh if if the you know they've announced hey, there's gonna be a press conference at three thirty this afternoon or something like that. And uh, I'm not saying that I expect something like that to happen, because I I certainly trust all the reporting that's happened, that that's not likely. But I'm not going to be shocked if something like that does, because I also just think it has gotten so much worse than anybody expected it would when that was reported, you know, three weeks ago or whatever. Uh, Ben, do you have an off day recommendation for folks? What should they do today? My off
1: day recommendation, uh, is to go to a movie. Okay. And it can be on a night that the Cardinals are playing. And, and this is something that I have done, uh, for years now is for my own health there, you know, every season, the team will get to a point where, um, I just, I need to not be with them right now. -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) you know they may win tonight, and it may be great, and that that'll be that'll make me happy. Um, But they're not going to do it with me watching. And so the way that I would usually do this is I would uh, usually just go. You know the the summer movie season's a a big uh, season for movies, as you know, Ben. You don't need Mm -hmm. me to tell you that. Uh, Our listeners probably don't either. And so the way that I would often try to do it is I would just try to go catch a movie just get completely complete escapism get away uh from it all i don't get the alerts on my phone during the movie i just enjoy the movie i get some nice buttered popcorn a coke uh, some candy eat all that garbage and just get away from it all and uh then come back you know, ready watch, to watch, watch some three hours then. of the
0: brutal Zack Snyder murder verse, and then walk out <laughs> and see on your phone that the Cardinals lost 12 to one. It sounds lovely. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I,
1: uh, there, there have been many good movies that I have seen, uh, doing this. I think the first guardians of the galaxy, uh, immediately springs to mind and that certainly, uh, Uh, is an enjoyable and funny movie and lighten my mood and all of those things. And that was obviously several years ago, but, um, that's a trick that I use. And I recommend if you're feeling frustrated with the team and just don't really want to watch, then don't, you don't have to, there's other stuff to do. Go watch a, go catch a flick.
0: Uh, I think that's a great recommendation. Um, as the director of a nonprofit art house cinema, I think I have to Put in a word for folks to go to their local uh, nonprofit uh, cinema if they have one in their community. Um, what when they go see that movie? But I'm always in favor of folks going to a movie. Uh, ben, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend practicing mindfulness. I think that's always a good thing for folks to do if they're not uh, not doing it already. There's uh, like a million different like uh, apps out there and like videos and things people can watch if it's not something they do. But it's not even something that you really need to like. have a lot of like instruction on doing just just sit quietly Uh, breathe uh, count focus on the counting Um, that's really all you need to do just do that for even just just a couple minutes Um, you know don't get upset at yourself if your mind wanders um, because it's going to wander but just uh, just breathe focus on your breathing and uh, you'll feel better and uh, I think especially as you're uh, you know going through a stressful season with your baseball team it's a it's a very good time to start doing that if you're not doing that already Bet anything else before we wrap it up? Nope. Uh,
1: hopefully, they show a little bit more life uh, before they leave the country because they couldn't uh, show much less. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't. And. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be flying across an ocean to play baseball uh, if I weren't enjoying what I I was doing. Oh, uh, the, vi- the vibes really... on that
0: flight. I've been thinking about that long flight, man. That ain't going to be a happy flight, I tell you that.
1: No, no. Not, not They could even bring Raphael for call along for the ride, and it wouldn't get <laughs> happy at that point in time. So yeah. it's uh, fingers crossed they, they play a little less awful uh, and seem to enjoy what they're doing uh, as they get ready. Ready to leave the country.
0: Agreed, agreed. All right, well, that is it for us. We will be back just before that uh, London series happens. Uh, thanks as always to Dan for helping us out on social media, to Devon for the theme music, and we'll see you on the next Cardinals off day. Go Cardinals!